Hey, hey you. Me? Yeah, you. Want to listen to a podcast that brings something different every episode? Put your hand down. Nobody can see you. That's much better. Then listen to What's the Jack? We give you something different so you're not falling asleep. So grab some coffee and listen to What's the Jack? right here on Spotify. What's the Jack? The show where we raise your eyebrows and make you think. I'm just trying to make everybody laugh. All right, it's showtime. Are we live? We're live. I'll set the tone for us. Welcome to What's the Jack, the first episode with my brother. Who are you? uh, I'm Adam. Adam Sapino. The two brothers doing a podcast. What could go wrong? I hope not much. I mean, we're just sitting here. Yeah, to be honest with you, you have a microphone. You're sitting next to me with Sam Adams' beer. Mm -hmm. You're also drawing. What else are you drawing? I don't know what this is yet. It might be a bird, maybe a spaceship. I'm going to scrap it, though, and start something else. Well, anyway, we're going to talk some Celtics basketball. The Celtics... What, we, what can we say about the Celtics? We love the Celtics. We, we can't say much about them because of COVID right now. Well, that is, that is, <laughs> that is also very true because the NBA is trying to figure out if they're coming back or not. Do we know you, that the NHL is. Oh, I was going to say, do you have any updates on any sports like that? Uh, NHL is coming back, and the NBA is on the verge to coming back. It's not officially put out yet. They're talking about the bracket for playoffs and how that will all look. Oh, they're going to change it? Yeah, it's going to be changed around. Oh, that's going to be fun, dude. It's about time. Dude, all right. Let's let's start talking about basketball because it is well, about... that's what we're talking about. It's about damn time that there are some changes that happen in the NBA. I think that the playoffs are way too long. Yes, I understand that a best out of seven game will get you the true person, the true team who's, who's supposed to win. Like, I feel like if you win out of seven, obviously that's a team worthy, but it kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit. Like when you look at teams like, you know, Golden State Warriors up until this year, essentially, um, yeah. the Lakers, Completely, yeah. you know, Milwaukee, the Raptors, all of these teams, you know, are going to go far in the playoffs because that's how the playoffs are built. But when you look at other basketball leagues, like, you know, NCAA in March Madness, it is so much more exciting and so much more fun to watch single eliminations or even maybe best out of three or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting to see the different playoff bracket, to see other teams get, get in. I, I think that Miami definitely had a chance to get in the playoffs, but now because of yeah. this whole pandemic, everyone's rested, everyone's taking a break. Ooh. It's going to be completely different from what we thought it was going to be for what it's going to be now. You think so? What do you think is going to be different? I think they're giving other teams a chance to get back into the playoffs that were close enough. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work. I just know from kind of just like looking up things and kind of being familiar with kind of what the layout's going to be. I'm not exactly sure. I feel like it would be so cool as if they just kind of scrapped the the 2020 2019-2020 season essentially and they just said instead we're going to do a March Madness with all the NBA teams. Mm. So we're so we're literally doing Every single team on the East and every single team on the West, it's maybe a best two out of three or a single elimination. Whoever wins gets this. Not, it's not an NBA title, but it is a, a trophy. It is You win the tournament. Right, and it could even be for, you know, uh, it could even be raised for money for COVID. It Actually, could be that's raised a great money idea. for COVID. And uh, also, it could be, you know, one arena, another arena, and you have the NBA players come in. No fans, and it's all broadcast on TV. I think it would be an excellent idea. They were talking about using, in the long run, if they do have this NBA comeback, they could have them at the Garden. So players could go to the TD Garden. The teams could play against each other in the Garden. That's what the the Garden is open up to doing, having NBA players come in and play basketball. Um, I'm sure that's because the Celtics were in the playoffs, so... Mm -hmm. 
that's why they would say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Do it here, essentially? Yeah, yeah got you. And probably in the West, they might use the Staples Center, something like that. Something like a big stadium, but not too big. Because you're also focused on the action. You're not focused about the fans around you, and that's a different perspective. Yeah, and honestly, some of the Boston fans can be a little, a little rambunctious. I, something you just said, though, that, dude, we were doing so well. And I, I'm a, I'll, for the record, I am a Celtics fan. I love the Celtics. I respect the Lakers, but I, they are my mortal enemy naturally. They were doing so well. This was, this is the first time in a while. The rebuilding, the rebuilding I, dude, game. They, it's not even like rebuilding. Like, like I think we would have made a decent run. I do not think we would have outbeat Milwaukee. I do probably don't think we would have outbeat the Raptors. I, honestly, we probably I. For some reason, and I think it might be because of my naiveness as a Celtics fan, um, I respect the Lakers right now, especially, and like that the fact that they're doing so well. I'm not scared of them in the playoffs, and I don't know why. Mm. I, I have no idea why. It might be because LeBron James is like three for nine in the finals or something like that. Like he has a terrible track record in the finals. He has a great track record of getting there, but closing out, he ain't no Michael. He ain't no Kareem. He ain't no Kobe, you know? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that it's a whole different perspective now, though. Everyone's been sitting. Everyone's been relaxing. Damian Lillard's not coming back to the playoffs. Steph Curry's not in the playoffs. One of those things where it's like, okay, well, who's the next guy up? Is it LeBron James? Is it Kemba Walker in the Celtics? Is it the Nuggets? Is it OKC? Like, everybody has a chance now. Everybody has a chance to get back to where they were or even potentially get in the playoffs. I don't know if that's true, though. Like, low-key, I count Golden State out. I don't think the Knicks are going to make it. Regar- even Knicks if they are... do, like, a crazy bracket tournament thing, dude, there's no way that every team is, it has a shot. Like, it's yeah. just some teams are just not as good as others, and it's kind of just the way it goes. It sucks, too, because the Knicks had such a – and we shouldn't bring up bad blood, but – they had such a good shot at getting Kevin Durant, and they just closed those doors on him. Like, they didn't even try. And that was, like, so painful to watch. And I'm not even a Knicks fan at all. But the fact that they had an opportunity to get a star player to take them somewhere, anywhere, and they just blew it, honestly. They blew it. Well, I think the Knicks are also looking for a new head coach. They're looking for a lot of new things. And they did blow it. And I think that... When you look at the different team in the NBA, you look at, okay, so why are they better than each team? You look at the head coach, you look at the players, you look at the, the organization, you look at the whole different, you know, NBA team. So if you compare the Knicks to, I don't know, the Magic, what is the Magic doing better? What is the, and that's kind of where I think the Knicks are thinking, what can we do better? I think that's interesting because... It was Houston. Houston built their team around fast three-point shooters. They have no big men. It was a risk that they took this season. It failed horribly. The Lakers created a full team based around long, lanky, athletic players. Like, they just wanted multiple LeBron James, essentially. Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee. um, Ingram's on New New Orleans now. Mm -hmm. Which I was very surprised, because all of the other players looked just like built-wise, like, Lanky, athletic, that is a risk that they took, and it paid off. They're trying to move into this positionless basketball, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Why do you think the Knicks have not been successful? Well, I mean, I think it all goes back to who was on the team before. And if you look back and you say, oh, well, you know, Carmelo Anthony was on the team before. I think that they could have developed Carmelo Anthony. I think they let Porzingis go real quick. And maybe Porzingis had some issues with, you know, uh, news-related news stuff. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. And they also had Cantor. They could have developed Cantor. They could develop these guys and give them a chance. You know, so it's interesting that they just go, oh, we have this new guy. We're going to have him for two years. That's it. Done. That's pretty much what the Knicks have done. The reason why I think the Knicks have been so terrible for so long is that their management team... Like, they don't, I feel like they don't trust anybody. Like, they, That's it. like yeah. you just two said, years. exactly, two years max, and a star player like Porzingis? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Dallas, who's also another team that's a sleeper, 
in the playoffs this oh year. And same with Miami Dude, now that their so team good. is stacked. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is going to be the new Dwayne Wade, in my opinion, because he's gonna. that's going to be his team. Miami Heat's going to be his team. Yeah, totally. And the There's Knicks no need somebody like an R.J. Barrett, but R.J. Barrett needs to stay there for more than two years. Their issues run so much deeper than the players. Like, it's not the – I don't think it's the players at all. I don't think it's the coaching. I literally think it's the management, the general management staff and the owners. Like, they just – they don't trust any of their own decisions, and they can't stick with the decision. Like, the fact that they they literally had the best shot to get Kevin Durant. They literally had the best shot to get him, and they couldn't follow through with that. They can't follow through with anything, and that's, that's my like, assumption as to why they, they suck. And then, you know, you have players like, like sure, like Carmelo Anthony, he's a great player, but he thinks the same way, you know, that J.R. Smith thinks or whatever. They build their own game. They're less of a team player. It's the difference between, like, Carmelo Anthony and... Like Jason Tatum, I feel like. Those two... Jason Tatum is probably, in my opinion, you can argue, is pretty much on the same level as Carmelo, I think. Um, definitely body is built differently, but from a skill-wise and from a shooting perspective and from a moving perspective and from a post-game, I think they're pretty much there. The reason why Tatum's teams have gone farther is because he plays with his team. It's the reason why Carmelo never got a championship with the Nuggets. It's the reason why he never went far with the Knicks. He was there for a while and he loved it there, but I don't know. I feel like he's always been, in same with like J.R. Smith, they've always kind of been players for themselves in a sense. And I think Jimmy Buckets on Miami has always teetered that line. Like he definitely has had a history of being a more selfish player in like some of his decision making in, in games and like especially when he was in Chicago I think too exactly exactly when he was in Chicago but then when he went and to Philly too well I don't think Philly was a him issue I think a Philly was a smack in the face to be like yo you're on a team where there the management is telling you that you're expected to be the person who takes the last shot but you're the new guy on the block so it's kind of a conflict of interest there and I think you know Chicago he was kind of a mess a little bit with in regards to those selfish acts. And then in Philly, I think he got a slap in the face. And I think Miami is a great, great fit for them, him. And I hope he does so well there because he's kind of starting to turn into this spot where it's more comfortable for him and it's okay for him to be the star, to be the new Dwayne Wade. I'm using air quotes. Yeah, he needs to really control his emotions, though, through the game because in Philly, he had issues in the locker room. Now he has Miami. He needs to work with a team, like you said, he needs to work with the team, and that's when he'll be able to, you know, rise up above mm-hmm. the rest. That's why That's why I didn't like the, the move to get Kyrie. I love Kyrie. I love Kyrie. He is so much fun to watch. I think he is a fantastic player, but he's a fantastic player, and that's kind of as far as it gets, and we saw that firsthand when he came to the Celtics. I think... Him in Cleveland, he was very excited to have that team to himself. LeBron James came back, and they got that title. And I think it was kind of, in a sense, and obviously I don't know him, and I'm just throwing these assumptions around, but I think it was kind of disappointing for him when LeBron James came back because that was his team, and he was the dude to kind of take it to the top. It was obviously very satisfying for him to hit that buzzer beater in the finals that we all remember. The reason why he left is because it couldn't be his team because LeBron James was there. Wherever LeBron James goes, he's the owner, the coach, the player from all positions, you know? It seems as though, I mean, you're talking a lot about this idea of the player looking up to one another. You kind of really talked about Jason Tatum and Carmelo Anthony and compared Mm -hmm. them. So I feel as though Kyrie looked up to LeBron James and he wants to be like a LeBron James or be that star. Yeah. So that's why he decided to go to Brooklyn, but he needed that other guy to help him out, such as Kevin Durant. Well, you can't play basketball without the team, and I think that's the issue, is when it was immature. Kyrie was immature on the Celtics. He thought him going to a team that could be his meant that the team was going to be his. It doesn't work that way. People are still, these players are still people at the end of the day. They're your teammates, they're your partners, you know, 
you work together. They're your colleagues. You're trying to get somewhere together, you know, and, and everyone just saying you're the leader because you're the leader or you're the best player or the best shooter or whatever. Sometimes that's not enough. That's why you see Marcus Smart on this team forever. Don't get me wrong. Like Marcus Smart's a great player, but he's not by far the best player on the team. But he is treated as a captain because he is the glue. He's the one that pulls other players together. You know what I mean? Kyrie was just a player, and he wasn't that glue. He was the new kid on the block. I'm sh- everywhere when I'm sure was willing to work with him, and I'm sure he was willing to work with everybody else, but things aren't just going to work because they said that they were going to work. He needs to pull his weight, and everyone else needs to help him out, or he needs to help everyone else out. And that's why, if you look at Kyrie as a player on the Celtics towards the end, towards the playoff, wherever you started to look at Kyrie, he was Kyrie on the Celtic without his team. He was never a team player. He always wanted to be the guy just like LeBron James and Brad Stevens, regardless if we didn't know behind the scenes or not, doesn't want that. Yeah, Brad Stevens has always been like a great coach in regards to like picking nobodies and taking them to another level. He was the coach with Isaiah Thomas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas was kind of a nobody. Like he was he was good. Everyone knew him. You know, he was the little guy on the block, but he wasn't a superstar like Kyrie. Actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I think it might have been one or two seasons before Isaiah Thomas came to the Celtics in the All-Star Rising Stars game, All-Star Weekend, the Rising Stars game, there was probably in the fourth quarter this insane back-and-forth shootout between Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving. I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. They were crossing each other up, shooting threes in each other's face. I think at the end of the day, Kyrie like won the duel, if you will. So it's kind of funny to see like them facing each other. Isaiah Thomas came to the team. He wasn't that good. But then all of a sudden, the dude was averaging. I'm saying bottom line, 12 points in a fourth quarter. Isaiah Thomas had that game when, when his sister passed away. Yes. He was unbelievable. Yeah. He was unbelievable. In the fourth quarter, they called him the fourth quarter king. And yes. I remember that. Yes. That was... That was the coolest thing because Brad Stevens does a fantastic job of taking nobodies and turning them into a cohesive group. And that's the issue that I have with players like Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith, Kyrie Irving, a little less LeBron James. I really respect LeBron James more than I ever have. And that's honestly tough for me to say because I've always loathed that man. Never liked him. Because he created that... I own the team mentality. He didn't create it. Michael Jordan created it, but he took it to a new level. Um, and I, it just rubbed me the wrong way because I've always loved basketball in the first place because it was a team sport. My favorite thing about basketball is assists. Those are, that's literally the best play, I think, in any sport of all time. There's nothing nicer than a dope assist from a point guard to a center or whoever. Behind the back, flashy pass. There's, there's a, no more beautiful play in any other sport than an assist in basketball. You talked about the relationship with Brad Stevens and Isaiah Thomas. And I quote, he meant so much to me. He's an amazing guy. So you can just see right there from that quote that they had a connection. They know what they were doing. And then Isaiah left. He went to the Lakers. Not by choice. Not by choice. But he went to the Lakers <laughs> Went to the Nuggets, and now he's not really recognized as much. It is unbelievable how much the coach respects someone. As a player, they do so much for a team, and then they go to a new team, and it's just a whole new start. A whole new start. Dude, basketball, the NBA, I I have a love-hate relationship with the NBA. They are so corporate America, it pains me. They focus on all-stars. They focus on whatever's going to bring in the big bucks. At the end of the day, no team is going to win NBA championship unless they are a well-cohesive team. And you don't need all-stars to get there. And I think Brad Stevens proved it that year. We were the only team that didn't get crushed by, I think it was 
Was it the Miami Heat or was it the Cavaliers? Miami. That we were the only team because we had a beautifully dynamic team. It's it's just so sad when you see, you know, like I've always appreciated Danny Ainge. I've always respected his decisions, but after that, when he sold, he literally sold Isaiah Thomas, the glue to our team, the one that was going to. Just everyone loved him. Everyone trusted him. It didn't even matter if we won a championship or not at that point. It was really about this beautiful team, and you can build other pieces around him. But he gave him up for Kyrie Irving because he was an all-star. And I, from day one, I mean, you know, from day one, I did not like that move. I didn't like it. I wasn't pro it. I've always loved Kyrie. I was like, yeah, cool, we're getting Kyrie. That's awesome. But I didn't like what we were losing we lost something that's intangible, and I think that the fact that the NBA is so corporate, we overlook these intangible things like team chemistry, you know, and like the fact that these people are actually people at the end of the day. Especially today in today's media. Like, it's, it, it's just horrible. Like, I get these people get millions and millions of dollars, but we treat them like objects, and it's really sad. It just is. Like, I feel like if you have a team that's just well cohesive and they're actually friends at the end of the day... They're going to win. It's kind of part of the reason why the Celtics won the championship in 2008. So talk to me about uh, what it means to be a fan of the Boston Celtics. I think that's subjective. I think that being a fan of the Celtics, it's, there's so much history, so you can kind of hop in wherever you want. Like, I, I hopped in right before 2000, 2008, luckily. It was, I think, the 2006-2007 season. Like, my uncle brought me to a Celtics game and just the energy and like being in the stands like there's just so much history you look up in the banners and the amount of flags are just appalling appalling you know and we kind of take it for granted with New England sports we win all the time why did you watch basketball like uh what did it grab your attention um it was it was going to my first Celtics game the history in the stands just like seeing the audience like they're all bonkers like Boston sports people are just um, can I cuss? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's really what started it for me. Went to, going to my first Celtics game, watching Paul Pierce, who was my favorite at the time. Now my favorite's definitely Kevin Garnett. Um, watching Paul Pierce, he, like, jumped from the three-point line on baseline. It was crazy and dunked it. Like, I was like, I didn't know. Looking back, I don't even think that's possible for Paul Pierce. Like, he was never a dunker. He was never a high flyer. He was always slow, but... That's kind of what got you. He was almost too slow, so you would always like over anticipate his moves. He was awesome, but yeah, it was it was that first game that really solidified it for me. And then, honestly, just falling in love with the plays, the plays in basketball are just really what made make it magical. You're like when you have a pass that confuses the camera, like the cameraman goes left, but the ball went right, and everyone's like, "What happened?" And then the camera went over there, and we're like, "Ah, he got us again." I mean, Paul Pierce has, has some incredible moments, especially when he Not was so. in the wheelchair. Oh, my God. That, that, that was a little and ridiculous. And that story can be changed so many different times, <laughs> that he had to poop, that he had to do this, that he sprained, whatever. But so who's your favorite Celtics? Paul Pierce? Is that who it is? I would probably say Paul Pierce. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I grew up watching him. Like, it's just the one that I identify with. I think that... He's definitely not the best Celtics player. I think that he's definitely not my favorite player in the NBA ever either. Who's the best player you think on the Celtics? Right now? All time. All time. Be- Dude, it's a hands down, no questions asked Bill Russell. Nobody, if, <laughs> he has 11 championships. For me, it's just like, you're done. You can't even, you can't even argue with that. It's the same reason why you can't argue LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Three championships to six. It's done. It's just a, when you start pumping up those numbers like that, it's just, it's just unequivoc- unequivocally like you can't argue you, that. You can't even compare him to Larry Bird. No. Because without those rings, what does it mean? I, it, that's the whole point of why they're in the NBA in the first place. Everyone's there to get a ring. That's why Michael Jordan's better than LeBron James. 100%. 100%. I also think, well, Michael Jordan brings another level to, the, to, the, to basketball that beats LeBron James. And I think it's the same reason why Kobe Bryant, in my opinion, beats LeBron James as well. It was their drive. It was their competitive nature. 
Kobe Bryant would, and Michael Jordan would race you to the bathroom. Like, they were just so competitive and so driven to win. And I'm not saying LeBron James isn't, but they just brought a whole new level that no one else had seen before. Um, I haven't watched the, the new documentary on Michael Jordan yet, which I really am excited to. We both to. have to. Yeah, I'm really excited to, but I've heard a lot of, like, stories and, like, I've seen sidebars here and there about just people did not like working with this guy at all. But he got them rings. He got them wins. And at the end of the day, that's why everyone's there. So talk to me about your thoughts about the coaching of the Celtics. You have Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. You go back in time. Red. Yep. And now Brad Stevens. Who was the better coach on the Celtics? Talk to me about the memories you thought about Doc Rivers. Sure. I don't think you can say anyone tops Red for a coach. It's just more rings, once again. He, he did his job. What's the point if you don't got rings? Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, they're there to win rings, and they're not there for personal stats. I mean, some players are, and that's why they will never be better than those players who get rings. That reminds me of the shirt you have that says, I've got rings. Yes. So, coaches. Um, I think that the coolest part about Doc Rivers being a coach was he introduced the concept of, I think it's Ubuntu, to the team. I don't know if you know this. It means... It was the saying that they came up with in the 2007-2008 year, the year they won the championship and practically lost, like, what, 11 games, 12 games the entire season. Um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about relationships and team chemistry. It was a phrase to say, I am with you and I have you. They had this beautiful bond that was summed up by that term, um, that the coach introduced to them. And I actually don't even think it was Doc Rivers who introduced it, but it was one of the assistant coaches on the team that they brought in to like help the, the new team dynamic because it was one of the first times that the Celtics ever had that kind of big three moment um, of just hiring three different all-stars from different areas to kind of make this crazy run for the championship. So they needed to find a way to work out these egos and these dynamics, and so they landed on that concept and it clicked. You know, you can... You can See, watch honestly any video about the Celtics with it. Every single player on that team will talk about it, and they'll talk about their friendship with the other players that time. It's it's literally like a, a story of like remember the Titans of you know how these players just rally around each other in and on the court, and then also outside. And I think that's something that we kind of haven't seen yet with Brad Stevens. We were very close with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and I remember actually watching the 2008 game. It was like a documentary series, and it was the Boston Celtics, the comeback, and they went against the Lakers in 2008. It was so funny because Doc Rivers talked about how everybody would be sleeping on the plane, and KG would make the most noise to get everybody up, get everybody going. I mean, they were so loud on the plane, Doc Rivers said. It, it was so funny to see behind the scenes of all that and see the chemistry. That's different because when you're watching a broadcast, you're seeing the perspective of what the broadcaster is showing you. Mm -hmm. Instead of these are real people having a good time on the plane, drinking, having fun, uh, you know, m making jokes, laughing. Kevin Garnett is probably my favorite player of all time. And it's not because of his accolades. Him and Akeem Olajuwon, Akeem Ladream. But Kevin Garnett... Not doesn't even get close to Larry Bird or any of the other great players in the planet. I, in my opinion, from a skill level and from a championship level, he brought intensity. He brought personality and he brought emotion to the game that other players didn't. He was the one that would scream, that would literally look through you. He didn't see you. He was going through you all the time. He's the one that would get knocked down and do 20 push-ups just to prove a point. He's the one that would talk in your ear and get you fired up. He's the one that would always bring the intensity to another level in a basketball game that you don't see nowadays. No. And I, I do like the fact that enemies and like rivalries and players who are on different teams can get along because that's honestly a really good sign for society. <laughs> but it is a competition. And when that bell rings or when, they, when you hear that buzzer go for the first jump ball or whatever, he turned into a monster. He turned into a beast, and that intensity and that emotion and that mental game that he played shook people. 
and it shook the audience too. Watching him screw, like dunk it, go over to the audience and scream at the top of his lungs. Anything's possible. Exactly. Like he he just had so much emotion and personality that other players don't. I like the emotion. I like the roller coaster. I like the the suspense. The ball is shot, and they shoot a rainbow ball, so it takes a solid three seconds for it to even touch the rim before he hits it, and then the buzzer beater goes off. Like, I love those moments. That's what makes basketball awesome. Those are the best moments, I think, that I've experienced in my time, is those moments where it's a Damian Lillard three, where it's a Ray Allen three, where it's a whoever's three, really, or even a dunk, an assist, a whoa, whatever. The type of noise you make after that happens. Talk to me about going to a Celtics game with with the family. And talk to me about your favorite memory going to a Celtics game with the family. We've been to a lot of Celtics games. And we've had a ton of fun. We always do. Even if they lose and the car is completely silent, we still have a good time. It's rarely silent. I think that's my favorite memories about going to Celtics games was... Uh, not actually the Celtics games, which is funny. Uh, my, I can tell you about my favorite game. I'll never forget that. But the best part about going to the games with my family was the car ride there. Um, our dad had a bus for people who don't know. And we would all pile on the bus and there'd be like 13, maybe 15 of us all going to the game together. We all dressed up and the interior of the bus was decorated in Celtics gear because we ended up using the bus to go so often. Like, my dad would, like, pay a guy he knows to drive us into the city. Um, we'd all hop in into it, get a bunch of pizza. Everyone's eating on their way down. It was just so much fun. It was just a really good time. Um, but my favorite game moment? God, it, it has to be, uh, what was it, Game 6 NBA Finals in 2009. The year after, we went back to the championship, and it was against the Lakers again. And... It was a make or break. So if we won this game, we would go to the Lakers for game seven. And we won. And it was a very tight nail biter. And it was ridiculous. And everyone was so hyped. And it was awesome. The best moments in those games is when they're down. They come back. Mm -hmm. They hit a big three. Mm -hmm. Time out, Lakers! And then everyone gets the chance to, like, breathe and go crazy. Yeah, and then there's, like dance music going on yeah, it, so much fun and it's just like when that those moments you just remember forever when you go to those games when you go to the concert and and when you hear that but three it sticks with you for life even if you don't want to do commentating you still wake up and go but three <laughs> and then it's like what time is it's three <laughs> so those moments are just the best to yeah. talk about and those are the moments why I think we both love basketball. I think, I think with that, like, it changes the narrative of why you go to sporting events. Like, it's not at the end of the day, it's not about who wins or loses. It's about those highs and lows of the games. Um, and I think that's what's really cool about sporting nowadays, where before, like, they used to want to kill each other. Like, the Lakers and Celtics rivalry was, like, a true rivalry. But at the end of the day... It's the same reason why Magic and Larry were able to be friends. You know what I mean? Like it's it's about those relationships. It's about those highs and lows. It's about those um, those moments of emotion that the game gives you that you can share with the people who are watching it with. Applies to other sports, but in different ways. Like in football, it's more like you have like a long line and then like a spike of excitement. Yeah. With basketball, it's whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah, yeah, whoa. Yeah. With hockey, you know, it's it's very similar to hockey. It, basketball can get a little slow too with all the free throws and the timeouts and, and stuff like that. With hockey, it's I guess more back and forth and whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, um, with football though, it's not. And with soccer too, it could just be really long, really long, really long. Oh, I'm gonna go pee real quick. Oh, they scored. Like you know, yeah. not not to rag on soccer. It I all, do like soccer. It all has different areas of you know when the peak is at the highest. Yes. And when it's at the lowest. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge payoff with every single sport, and I think basketball has a lot of large payoffs. And as games are close and you're entering the fourth quarter, the payoffs get bigger 
and bigger and bigger. So like a three-pointer in the first quarter is very exciting. The crowd goes wild. But a three-pointer in the fourth quarter is another level. Yeah. What does the Boston Celtics team mean to you? Like, what's the definition of that 2008 Boston Celtics team? Um, if you give me any definition. I don't know. I don't... Um, I think what was... What was really defined by that team was that chemistry that I mentioned earlier. They broke a very long streak of not winning for a team that is very used to winning. Um, once Red, you know, kind of ended and, and Larry Bird was done, we went on this dry spell. I'm pretty sure there was, we had the number one draft pick. He was supposed to be the next prodigy. He l- looked and played very similar, had the same amount of drive as Michael Jordan, and it's honestly a damn shame that I can't remember his name because he passed away. Like, he, the night he got selected, the night they picked him to join the team, they, he partied too hard and uh, overdosed on something. And so from since then, essentially, we lost our number one pick, and, you know, the world lost a, an excellent player. Um, somebody lost a family member, you know, and Len I think bias. we were... Yeah, yeah, that was him. Yeah, it was, it was just such a tragic moment in, in the Celtics as a team. He passed away from uh, a cocaine overdose. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. He was a Boston Celtics second overall pick in 1986. Started in 2006 watching the Celtics. But after that 2008 season, we kind of had a dip again. You know, Kendrick Perkins left, and we had other people kind of come and go a little bit, and... The team got rocky, so I started digging into old Celtics games. That's why I got my appreciation for Bill Russell and Larry Bird. And Larry Bird could not outbeat the Lakers at that time. I think it was Larry Bird won two championships and Magic Johnson won three. And it was definitely, that was like the known rival for like five years straight. Everyone knew it was back and forth. And towards the end, Larry Bird's knees weren't working that well. He was getting older and slower. And so... We knew we needed someone new and someone young at that time because we relied on him for so long. And then we got the first round pick, which was a blessing. And then this horrible incident Second happened. Round. And we've been stuck until 2000, 2008 to win the championship. So I think what was really cool about that 2008 team was that team chemistry. And it's funny because it is kind of contradictory. Like, yes, we, couldn't, we probably couldn't have won without the support of Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Um, and at the time, those two players were pretty big. You know, I wouldn't say they're LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving big, but they were pretty big at the time. Um, and I think that that coach, whoever the coach was that came up with that term, he was the one that put the team over the top. What do you think about Danny Ainge and his decisions during the rebuilding of the Celtics? I think he had ups and downs. Um, I think that... One of the great ups was getting Isaiah Thomas with losing very little. Um, we lucked out insanely with Jason Tatum. That was crazy. Weren't we at the draft that night, I too? think we were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. And we were like, Jason Tatum. I don't know who he is. Yeah, right? We got it. Because we, we don't watch college basketball. We got another guy that day, too. And he, I remember him being this a bigger dude that I was really excited about, but he kind of flopped. Um yeah, I don't know. I think Danny Ainge is kind of... Was that Robert Williams? No, no. Long before Robert Williams. Um, Danny Ainge is kind of hit or miss at this point in my book. Like, He's definitely held his cards really close to his chest for a long time, and he rarely makes very big moves. Um, and I think that's because he's been able to rely on a fantastic coaching staff that this team has always had. Um, so that you know, if he doesn't make a big move and he gets a mediocre player as opposed to a great player, the coach will be able to create a really powerful team out of nobodies, which is awesome. And I think that's what's really exciting to have, you know, the David versus Goliath kind of story uh, come out of that. But I think recently he's been very status quo. He's been shooting for all stars. Cantor is a cool pickup, not a great pickup. We should not have lost Al Horford the way that we did. Um, that, that was not the best move the Celtics have made at all. We losing Al Horford. Yeah, that was it was horrible. And actually, I would argue that if we didn't lose Al Horford and we did lose Kyrie, we probably would have we probably would be able to outbeat Milwaukee. 
I think with the rebound games is when you think about Al Horford. You think about the rebounds. You think so about good. so good offense, defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what the Celtics need. Cantor is a fantastic rebounder, one of the best in the league. But Cantor is not a good defensive player, and no. that's what's when that's what wins championships. Really, nowadays, if you can stop the other player from scoring because teams can score 140 points a game now, you'll probably win. Because um, so many players are so good at offense now, the bar level is just, it's already way up here. It's already way above where it used to be. So if the defense can pick up the level, you'll start to see games being won um, just naturally. But we don't have a good defensive big man, and teams like the Lakers who have only big men that can do everything, you're going to get walked all over. You won't stand a chance. So talk to me about uh, Daniel Tice, because we talked about Cantor. So talk to me about Daniel Tice and his progression, because he's really stepped up a lot yep. with the Celtics. He ate me. He made me eat my words. I'll tell you that. Same man. with me. Yeah, I did not like Tice at all for a long time. He made a lot of really dumb, basic mistakes, like passing the ball out of bounds, not boxing out a guy to lose a rebound. But I, I don't know what it was, but he he friggin' stepped up, man. He's I just see more effort in his in his movement. Like if you watch teams like like Houston, for instance, you can see players walking down the court. You can see four players walking down the court. You can see four players not getting back on defense. And sure, maybe that's the coach's plan to be like, hey, like slide in a little slower so we can dish you the ball once we drive in. But you see it a lot on a lot of teams people walking around instead of like putting some effort into it and running and going for rebounds like i feel like having a role model like today back then not at all everybody was either on the ball yes oh yes absolutely absolutely you see um i think marcus smart has been a fantastic role model for effort for this team and for defense yes and that's what i mean yeah defense is all about effort if you can just stand there and let the guy go by. You also can just stand there and shoot the ball from 40 feet away nowadays. There's not that much effort you need to put into offense as much as you used to. Defense, though, is a whole different story. If you're not trying, then they're going to score. Well, yeah, and I think you see that a lot when guys take threes over in the corner. They just like they don't try to go after them. They don't try to do this. Like Back then, 2008... You, the defense, they were like this. They were so close to one another. There was no space between one another. It wasn't like, oh, you're going to take a three. I'm going to walk away now. It was, I'm up in your face like this. Dude, that's More why, and more. That's why I, that is, I, I understand it and I respect it from a safety perspective, but that's why I don't like the NBA because of all their corporate decisions. The people who make the money, like, for the NBA are the all-stars. And a lot of the all-stars nowadays can shoot threes. So now they protect the player. You can't get, you can't body them. You can't get up on them while they're shooting because there's a chance that they can land on your foot, roll their ankle, and they're out for the season, and the NBA loses millions of dollars because people aren't going to watch the games anymore. It's all a corporate decision. It is, though. That Literally, they, <laughs> they weigh all of those yeah. things. It's no, it definitely is. And um, you, you kind of see that with the refs, too. Yeah. The totally. ref decisions. Well, that's what I'm saying is they changed the rule. They changed it so that you can't get up under these shooters anymore. The refs are going to call that now. It's not even like the refs made a bad call. It's that the rule changed and the refs have to make that call. It's literally, literally their job to make sure the rules are being taken care of and being respected. And if the rule changes, it's their job to state to, to do that. And it also is different to think about this because when the rule is set in the NBA, it's set. But now you see more of this fourth quarter bull crap what do you of mean? a call mm. by a ref, either if a fan thinks it or not. Mm. Or Damian Lillard said something. I remember that game where Damian Lillard hit on the elbow and they didn't call that game, a Celtics game, where they were fouled and they didn't call the It's It becomes too much. And it becomes an issue yeah. not because people are whining about it, but because it impacts the game. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of – not to go back to football, but it, that New Orleans call, everyone knows the, the call in the playoffs, but the no and call. if you don't – Look it up. Just look up New Orleans no call. It'll be the first thing that pops up. 
That was ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I was happy the other team won, but that was ridiculous. And you see that a lot in the NBA. There's not that much of a consistency. You hit that guy on the elbow down in the post, they won't call it. But you hit him in the elbow up while he's dribbling at the top of the key, they'll call it. Why? Why? Does it depend on the players? Probably. It probably does. Like I said, dude, they, they literally, they, and I quote, they say that they protect their players. That's a reason why you can't get under them on a three-point shot. That's a reason why when you hit their hand after the ball leaves their hand, they'll call that. It doesn't make sense to me because it's a sport. Like these people are getting paid billions of dollars to put their to put their bodies in tip-top shape and then put them on the line. Like, come on, dude. Like, let them bump each other. I know it's not a full contact sport, but kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah, because you'll have full games of just back and forth free throws, and it. It kills it. So talk to me about Jason Tatum. Talk to me about him this year and him last year and how he has improved. I think I don't think honestly there's that much of a difference from a like individual perspective. I think it's more the other players are doing their job and he's doing sure he's doing his job better too, but everyone's playing their role. There are starters and there are bench players, but everybody is a role player on this team. There's and that's no one guy that is the person, all-star player on that team. They, Everybody's working together. Exactly. And when they had Kyrie and Jason Tatum was there, Jason Tatum wasn't really looked at that much, if you think about it. No, it's not even that he wasn't looked at that much. Is that everyone expected the ball to go to Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. That's why. That's literally, that's literally it. And now that... Kyrie's gone and that big name is gone and that means you get players that can just play man like they literally are just a bunch of dudes on a court anybody can shoot that that three-pointer buzzer beater now they'll probably give it to Tatum because he's the best one that's capable to do that but I wouldn't be surprised if Tice takes a shot I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Smart takes a shot wouldn't be surprised if Kander takes a shot everybody has that ability and that's what makes a great team a great team but it's, it's conflicting because when you look across the, the coast and you look at the Lakers who are in the top seat of everybody, they rely a lot on those, only, those two players, you know. Um, and they do – Danny Green has been a fantastic role player for them because he can spread the floor really well because um, you have to cover him. He can't be open or else he'll hit that shot. Because um, it, it's just interesting because I'm a believer in team chemistry – you know, team plays, everything is about everyone working as a unit. If everyone can work together as a unit and be on the same page, you will go very far. I'm not saying that the Lakers aren't doing that, but it's very obvious who the leaders are of that team, and it's very obvious who gets the ball the, the most that team. You know, LeBron James literally will carry a team to the third quarter, make sure they're up by 30 points, and then sit on the bench for the rest of the game. He doesn't have to play anymore. He already did his job. You know, let's get 25 points before the fourth quarter even starts. It's just different. I got to take off the chemistry question because you've answered it multiple times. (laughs) Who's a better point guard? Isaiah or Rondo? Rondo? I got it. That's a tough one. It it is really a tough one. I don't think so. I think it's pretty straightforward to me. Why do you think it's tough? I think it's tough because both of them have impacted the game in a way that it has meant something to the city of Boston. And I'm saying that from a perspective of, mm-hmm. oh, this guy was really good. Oh, my God, everybody's talking about him. Everyone has done that. Mm-hmm. Rondo and Isaiah Thomas. The, the one thing, I'm, I'm going to assume that you know where I'm going with this. No rings, baby. Isaiah's got no rings. Rondo does. That's what I said. And that's what I've said to people. I said, and they said, oh, what about Kemba? Kemba doesn't have rings. Nope. No shot. I said, this is how I think the order should go for point guards. For talking about Rondo, Isaiah, and Kemba. It should go Rondo, Isaiah, and Kemba. <laughs> Just like that. Whew, that's tricky. I mean, individual skill-wise, probably Kemba's better than all three, but I think that... Oh, I don't know. I think Isaiah Thomas is much better. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. The little guy? Yeah. The little guy! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think what he... I just... It's tough. It's just so tough because... Rondo is only as good as the players that are around him. Well, um, you also that's just the kind of player that he is. And Isaiah, 
came from the dirt and rise to this unbelievable all-star, you know? And then well, you have Kemba. Yeah, who's Kemba just, just started out. That, but Kemba is, he's just an all-around, skill-wise, better player than, than both of them, I think. I think if you had to say who is the best, you have to say Rondo because he is a little harder. He's nice. Sick. You gotta tell Uncle Tony that because Why, I, Uncle there? Tony said, "What about Kemba?" I go, "He doesn't have rings." Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. He doesn't have rings. I think I. I really think that's the bottom line. If you you're have talking to about overall exactly. best player all time. You have to. You have, have to have rings. Rings looks. Rings is the first question. Rings is the first question. Let me ask you a question. I'm ready. Who is in your Mount Washington tier? Your top four players, no particular order. You can only pick four players that are better than everybody else. In the NBA. In the NBA. All time. All time. All time. I would say Michael Jordan, once again. Kobe Bryant. Bill Russell. Akeem. That's four. That's it. That's your four? Akeem Olajuwon? Uh, Keen the Dream, yeah. Yeah. I think... Magic Johnson, too. <laughs> I want you to argue for that, though. Like, why? Like, why? Um, I think I think I need to do a little bit more research on Michael Jordan. Sure. But I think that he's been talked about. I think that I've seen clips of him. Mm-hmm. I think that I also need to watch the documentary on him and then sure. decide. But I Dude, think... Let me, let me get you up to speed real quick with why Michael Jordan should always be in everybody's top four. That dude peaked... Right when he hit his peak, he won three championships in a row. His team lost ten games in one season. Ten. That's it. They only lost ten. He retired because his father died. Okay, left it. He didn't win that season because he wasn't in the NBA. Then he came out of retirement and won three more titles in a row. He's the best. He's the best, dude. And the nobody has done that. He brought the intensity. He brought. It's just. It's just ridiculous. Nobody has done that. You know no, his you're right. FYI, his coach has the most rings than any sports player because he played for the Lakers. He coached for the Lakers with Magic Johnson. He coached Michael Jordan. Yeah, dude, that guy's bonkers. Kobe Bryant, I mean, Mamba mentality. Like, he's just he's just a guy on the Lakers who I hated, <laughs> hated, but he put on a show. So I can't even talk. That's how amazing that is. Him and Shaq, yeah. Yeah, so definitely right there. You show that. You go, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, just his, his presence, the way he plays the ball, the way, the way he went against the Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, the matchups he's had against Paul Pierce. Yeah. It's just been so entertaining to watch. Yeah. He's definitely up there. Bill Russell. I think that one's pretty straightforward. I'm not even going to explain it. <laughs> you got rings. I got rings. You got rings. Everybody's got rings. And then Akeem the Dream. Akeem the Dream. I mean, I just think his presence on the court, the way he plays basketball, and I just think that his name is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, his it's funny because Akeem, I think he won maybe one ring, two rings. Um, It's funny how all of these unbelievable players who were playing during the 90s, yeah, Moses Malone, um, uh, Stockton, Patrick Ewing, None of those got Charles Barkley. None of those guys got rings because Michael Jordan played. Literally, that was that was six years of not another shot, and nobody else had a shot. Michael Jordan, Bill Russell. I'm gonna say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, most points of any player of all time with multiple rings of multiple teams. What about Will Chamberlain? I don't think Will do. Will Chamberlain played the same time that. Bill Russell played. He didn't win one championship. He got the most points in one, one game. game. Yeah, that dude. That I don't. I honestly. I get how like because he was so good and the hype and all that. But that oh, dude, literally got snuffed every single season by Bill Russell. Every single season, eleven seasons straight, they didn't even get close to winning a championship. Well, I'm just saying that because I'm sure someone will say, what about Will Chamberlain? Yeah, people do all the time. People put him so, up there all the time, and I just don't understand that dude. I think he has one ring, maybe, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Crazy. So, yeah, so Bill Russell, Michael Jordan, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Bill Russell before Michael Jordan. No no specific order. Okay. Just, just, just making t- sure. Just top four. Just okay. top four. 
Um, my last one. I don't know. Probably Kobe Bryant too. He also just really, really, really impacted the game. Maybe Magic Johnson. It's got to be a Lakers player. It's got to be. It's got to be. There's so many great players in that team. It has to be a Lakers player, in my opinion. In my opinion, I just don't. I can't imagine a not Celtics or not Lakers player in that top tier. What about Paul Gasol? Paul Gasol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not quite. Not yeah, quite. no, no, no. Joakim Noah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Oh my gosh, I forgot about him. He's on the Grizzlies. He is on the Grizzlies. Is he playing now? I don't think he's been playing. I feel. I feel like they. He's like a bench warmer. I feel like he'll uh, he'll come out coach, after maybe. everyone. Everyone who hasn't played in a while will just play after this whole pandemic. I'm pretty sure he like left and went to China for a little bit, and then came back and was so gracious that the NBA accepted him back. Um, it was really sweet, honestly. Well, I miss Yao Ming. Yes, everyone misses Yao Yeah, Yao Ming. Yao Ming. So, uh, I got two more questions for you. Hit me. Do you think the Celtics have the grit and skill to get back to the finals? Yes, I think they have the grit and skill. I don't know if they have the talent to beat Milwaukee. We don't get size. We have decent defense. We just don't get size. Like, when it comes to defending, you know, Giannis and even Brooke Lopez... Honestly, we we're not that good. <laughs> say his say Giannis's last name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Did I do it okay? Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Kumpo. Is it Kumpo or Kumpo? Kumpo. B or P? Well, there is Antetokounmpo. a Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. It's a P. I think it's Antetokounmpo. A P. Antetokounmpo. Look it up right now, Giannis. 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 Antetokounmpo. Antete. Ante. See now I'm moving. It is P. Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yo, who's the best player in? Actually, I think this one's straightforward. But I'll ask anyway. Who's the best player in the NBA right now? LeBron James. Wow. I was gonna say Kawhi Leonard. Wow. You think LeBron James? Wow. Why? And I hate LeBron James. I know. I know. That's why I'm surprised. Well, okay. You gotta take away the fans' perspective. That's a different show I do for a podcast, FDS. <laughs> you got to take away the fans' Sponsor. perspective and say, okay, well, who's the better athlete, the freak athlete in the NBA right now? See, I don't think athleticism is everything. But if you talk but about nowadays, right it, now, it's really it huge. is. It's huge. It is huge. It's huge. I don't or know. it's about how many followers you have on Twitter right now, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's true. But I don't know. That's a good one, though. I think it's Why do you think it's Kawhi? I think it's Kawhi or Giannis. I Why? think I think they're both above. I think they have more drive. I don't think Giannis. I think I think Giannis wants it more than anybody. I think Giannis wants it, but he's not getting it. Why? Who do you think snuffing him? Who in the East is going to stop Milwaukee? It doesn't matter because they're not playing right now. Listen, to, be honest, East you, to be honest with you, I think the Celtics can do it. You've seen the Celtics be at their worst and come back. The Celtics can do I it. I don't think the Celtics can't do it. I think that this is what we were saying when we first started talking. Best out of seven. They need to win four games against Milwaukee. And they're not good away. That's their issue. They're never good away. Yeah. They never are. You can't even – there's stats that say, you know, how many yeah, times they've right. lost away in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. They're not good. I know. That's our worst thing is away games in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know, man. I – I just think that that Milwaukee team is so well spread out. I think they got friggin' robbed from the Raptors last year. I don't. I think the Raptors obviously deserve to win. After watching those playoffs, it was insane. It was really disappointing, though, what happened to Golden State. I was hoping for a better series. That was kind of a shame. Um, but I, re- well, I, I wasn't. Really, <laughs> I know you weren't. You were hyped. I was hyped. I even bought a, a Kawhi Leonard T-shirt. <laughs> I think that the best... What would you think the best matchup in the finals would be? East and West. One, two, right one. now? Yeah. The best match in the, the finals? The best matchup. The best game. To s- the oh, best Celtics-Lakers. Yeah, that'd be Because you can't do Clippers-Lakers. This is true. Do you think that's what the semifinals are I think are that's be? what the semifinals are going to be. I think the Nuggets are going to outbeat the Clippers. I don't think so. I think the Clippers are going to win it. Do you think the Clippers are going to be the Lakers? I think the Clippers are going to beat the Lakers. So it's, it's going to go into Game Seven. Wow! So it's going to be that's a that's a big 
bet right there. I know because they're kind of a <laughs> show right now. Yeah. Like they can't figure out their team chemistry. Which we've seen crazier things. Well, no, they actually really can't because if you think about it, Paul George is same with the Houston though. They can't. They can never figure out their chemistry. Well, no, they rechanged their entire team to be smaller. They don't have. They don't have any big men. No. Their whole game is based around three point shooting. But when you don't got big men, you can't defend anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess Marcus Smart kind of proves me wrong with that. But when you go up against a team <laughs> yeah. like the Lakers, when everyone is at least seven. Four, not seven. Four. Obviously, they're not that tall. <laughs> but like, when you have people who are when their taco falls high, yeah, right. Oh, dude, we're totally gonna win. We have taco falls. What am I saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. He can't play defense. For dude. everyone who's a fan of taco fall, he cannot play defense. Dude, size definitely over the size. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> when you have somebody that tall, they move so slow. Even like so slow to react. Size so, like, does matter. Size in the NBA. definitely matters in the NBA. <laughs> definitely <laughs> matters in the NBA. But Isaiah Thomas was like so small too. Yes, so. but he used it to his advantage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Taco Fall is like just this long, lanky, slow guy. He reminds me of the Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, I just think that the Clippers would beat the Lakers. You put Kawhi on LeBron. Kawhi's going to turn into a monster. It's going to be tough, dude. It's going to be tough, but also think, think about the, the Nuggets, East, too. I am. I don't think I should count out. You shouldn't count out Philly. Can't count out the Raptors. They're unbelievable right can't now. Can't count out Dallas. Dallas is West. Exactly. <laughs> can't count them out. <laughs> West, East, we were talking about both. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I got one more question for you. Hit me. If you could have anyone come to the Celtics, who would it be and why? Would they be a good fit for the Celtics? And uh, you can't pick yourself. I definitely wouldn't pick myself to go to the Celtics. And you can't pick Chris Nowak. And I definitely wouldn't pick Chris Nowak. Um, or Chris Ponder. I, um, I was really disappointed when Paul George didn't come to the Celtics. I thought that would have been an amazing, amazing fit. But I wasn't surprised... Because I know he kind of wants to do his own thing, and I, it was it would have been bittersweet because then we would have got Kyrie as well, and then we would have turned into an All Star team, and I don't like All Star teams. With that being said, I would want a big man, an athletic big man, not Anthony Davis, not Joel Embiid. I would kill for Al Horford back, but let's not say him because he already left. Zion. No, too much of an ego. I don't know Whiteside probably. Yeah. Whiteside would would be really, really that would cool. Be, Marcus Aldridge would be unbelievable. I think he's top rebounder. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Whiteside, Aldridge would be cool. I think we honestly would need an older guy, a little bit more seasoned. Like season. Dirk? Too old. He doesn't play anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think... I think Whiteside would probably be my pick. Whiteside or LaMarcus Aldridge. Or uh, Jokic. Jokic would be unbelievable. Yeah, Jokic would be a good idea. I can't imagine him fitting well from like a chemistry standpoint, though. I was right. Hassan Whiteside. How many points? I mean, how many rebounds? 869. In how many games? Now you're asking. I wouldn't wouldn't really know it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Want to know who's behind him? Andre Drummond. Oh, yeah. Rudy Gobert. Oh, I I take it all back. (laughs) I would pick Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is an unbelievable defensive player and an unbelievable rebounder, and that's what we need on the Celtics right now. Giannis. Dropping the hat. Giannis. Oh, well, duh. Obviously, I'd like Giannis, but I don't think he'd fit. I kind of like Giannis on Milwaukee anyway. He just fits well over there. Him Him and my boy, Pat Connington. Yeah, who did not do good in the dunk contest. Uh, LeBron James has the most assists right now, if anyone did care. I'm honestly not surprised. Who has the most dunks in the NBA? (laughs) JaVale McGee. Oh, actually, that makes a ton of sense. 185. Willie Cauley-Steen, Sacramento, 175. DeAndre Jordan, 167. How's the Fox doing? The Fox? I love the Fox. That dude is so (laughs) fast. He's not doing anything. (laughs) He is fast, but... That poor team has been robbed way too many times. They almost lost their whole team at one point. <laughs> that that team they needs to change their name. Friggin' win. That team needs to win. 
That's all. That, oh, that poor team. I mean, I don't know why you care about them so much. Because they, they've lost forever. I like teams that don't win. That's why I was so happy when the Golden State Warriors were winning so much. I used to watch that team when, when Baron Davis was on it, and they were terrible, and they still were making runs. And I don't know. They were just always a I like I like the underdog battles. James Harden has the most points for three points. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because he literally walks down the court. Somebody small will drive, the, literally put their head down and just go straight in under the basket and then throw it out to him and he'd shoot it. Who's him. your favorite three-point shooter of all time? That's all time? Or like, like, not all time. Like, like, I don't know, Ray Allen was pretty awesome. And that's not because he was on the Celtics. That three-point shot he hit with Miami is legendary. Reggie Miller was really sick, too. Um, but now I'm just picking people who have the top records. All right, so nowadays, who is my favorite three-point shooter? It could be anybody nowadays, so it's the funny yeah. part. Um, Clay Thompson, probably. He's so much fun to see to watch shoot threes, especially how he like can dribble and shoot off the, off the drive and things like that. Yeah, I'd probably say Clay Thompson. Damian Lillard's mine. Oh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. You love Damian Lillard. He's awesome. He's, he's awesome. He's fun. He's a ton he's of fun. He's fun. You know, you know who was fun? Lynn Sanity. Yes. That was fun. Yeah, Lynn Sanity's like history now. That was like, I know, poor, that, that was the craziest thing. I have no idea. Literally, that dude just had a random growth spurt. It almost just like he ate some like Lucky Charms or something crazy like that. And just all of a sudden for three months was just the I don't best know if he had Lucky Charms, but he had some type of green. Yeah, he, he did something <laughs> right. <laughs> and he was crushing it. That was probably one of the most fun part of basketball I've ever seen. Well, Adam, it was a pleasure to have you on, even though you live in the same household as me. No, I don't. Not anymore. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'd shake your hand, but COVID. Yeah, wash your hands. You should. Everyone should wash their hands. Don't do drugs, kids. Stay in school and wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. I'm Jack Sapino. Who are you? I'm Adam Sapino. We're brothers. That's the show. Thanks for listening. What the Jack? Goodbye. Good mom. I'm hungry. That's it. Nice. That was good. Good. How do you feel? I feel good.